We've got someone in the basement today. She's a special guest, and she's going to reveal herself. Here she is. The mama. We're going to call our mom. Because we love Smooch and sweet. We're going to call our mom. Mom, I have been checking the analytics on all these podcasts, all the episodes that we've been releasing. Mm-hmm. And the episodes that you appear in that you <laughs> are called in those are the ones that are performing Everyone best really wow. it gets upset yeah. when you're not in one really well do you have anything to say to your fans while we give you the stage your fans are out there waiting for you to speak to them directly what would you like to say to them oh um i love you <laughs> <laughs> We are going to be talking to Billy Magnuson on this episode, and he is one of the stars of the movie Game Night, which I heard that you watched the other night. Can you give us a review of Game Night, please? Tell us about it. I laughed out loud several times. (laughs) (laughs) You have it, folks. What was your favorite? Give me me like a part that you laughed out loud about. Would you like? I just loved the whole thing because it was there was a storyline, but it was goofy, funny. Yeah. And Billy was awesome in it. I was particularly laser focused on him. Why? Because I I knew you were talking with him. So I wanted to see if he was worthy of you. Oh, <laughs> oh he was great. I was so impressed with him. It's like that slapstick old fashioned comedy that I just love. It was just fun to watch and delightful, and yeah, it was great. I saw that movie by myself in theaters years ago when I had Movie Pass, and I had popcorn. Oh wow! How nice! <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow! All right, fans. Maybe Mom will show up on a full-length episode one day. No, no, no. We'll find something nice that you want to talk about. But for now, we got to talk to Billy Magnuson. Is, th- is that his real name or his stage name? It's his real name. Oh, it's a good name. Great name. Great name. Great person. Let's talk to him. Let's go. So what are we talking about? Haunted basement. Yeah, let's do it. I'll, I'll do the intro and, and we'll get into it. Okay, ready? Five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Haunted Basement, the podcast. I'm AJ. I'm Bubba. And I'm Ashley. We're siblings and we run a production company called Haunted Basement. And this is our podcast where we talk about the movies, music, and pop culture that inspires and influences our video work. Today's guest has quite a distinguished resume. He's a Tony-nominated actor who has also appeared in such films and shows as The Big Short, Maniac, Into the Woods, The Offer, Bridge of Spies, Game Night, and No Time to Die. I've worked with him on a couple of projects and can tell you from firsthand experience that he is a creative talent who trusts his collaborators and also pushes them to create their best work. Billy Magnuson, welcome to the basement. Oh, thanks so much. Where's the nearest exit though? Just so I, I'm, I know where to go. We got some creepy stairs. It's all good. 
Uh, AJ, I have to say the same thing uh, about you, man. It, it was a pleasure collaborating with you. I don't know if anyone knows, but like you edited a short I did about my father. And, and in addition, like uh, a sizzle reel for a project that I'm putting together with my company, Happy Bad Bungalow. And like, I just have to say like, man, your work uh, speaks for itself. And it's awesome when you work with people that are so good at th their job, they can be assholes. And uh, you know, AJ, you're a great asshole, but you're good at your job. <laughs> I'm joking, you're the sweetest person in the world. So he's the farthest thing from an asshole. How do you feel about that? If someone's really, really good at their job, are they allowed to be an asshole? I don't think they no. need to be. It's, it's hard to work for someone who is an asshole. I've worked in Hollywood before. Bubba's worked in Hollywood before. And I've worked in cybersecurity. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough to want to do your job when you're working for an asshole. But I get it. You you attain like a certain status and you, you get to be an asshole. I get it. No, it was just funny. Like that short we did, The Carpenter, that you edited. The I, I don't want to say he's the cinematographer, but he was like the main grip that had all the equipment and was in charge of like all the camera stuff. First getting to know him, you're like, oh shit, this guy's an asshole. And then he's like really good at his job. And then you realize, no, he's not an asshole. He's just very specific and he's very excited and he loves what he does. People that are passionate about what they do, like I could sit there all day with my hands under my chin and be like, yeah, I want to watch that. You know? Passion, man. It's so good. Yeah. How do you guys get passionate about this? I feel like I'm interviewing you. Who's the oldest? Who's the youngest? Who got picked on the most? <laughs> guess. Guess who's the oldest and who's the youngest. I'm going to just say, Ashley, you are the oldest. And the wisest, Correct. of course. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then, uh, I don't know between AJ and Bubba. I'm going to put Bubba as the baby. Oh, yeah. 100%. You got it. You nailed it. <laughs> so we, you know what? We did a little bit of research about your history and we we saw that your mom was an aerobics instructor. Yes. Our mom was also an aerobics instructor in the 90s. Yes. We have that in common. No, I just remember like, wait, my dad also was like a martial arts instructor and they worked at the same studio sometimes. Oh, my gosh. And so I remember just having to wait as my mom like coached a class and like aerobics. Yes, it was more like just fitness general, like. But very high energy fitness. Yes, that step. Everything was step class, right? I remember a lot of like Gloria Stefan and Madonna. Yeah, 90s house music is like comfort music to me. <laughs> she did a lot of classes for like elderly people at the YMCA. I like remember watching them and being like, they are really into this. Committed. They are committed to this. It was so cute. Does it get any more 90s than a martial arts aerobics combined studio, though? That sounds like... <laughs> I don't think so. Everyone's just like dance fighting and, you know, getting a great sweat on and looking fabulous and spandex. Ugh. Wax on, wax off. Do you think uh, your, your parents, the performative nature of their professions kind of influence your career choice? No. You know, it's probably a deep-seated, like, not trauma, but, like, just wanting attention from my parents or some shit like that. That's I think everyone in the industry has some drama of, like, wanting attention. And not saying my parents didn't give it to me or anything like that. But, you know, my dad was a professional kickboxer and bodybuilder and, like, also a carpenter. And there's, like, art form in that. My mom was, in addition to being a mother and aerobic instructor, she was an artist. Like, she painted and drew a lot. So I guess it like lived in me in a sense, but I don't know where the the performance element of it. I, honestly, I'm pretty sure I got dropped on my head when I was young and it like 
stuck something in place. And like, that's, that's probably why I'm doing this shit. Well, your dad definitely has, uh, he, he probably passed on some like acting genes to you because he was fantastic. He's got some performance chops. The, the fucking guy couldn't remember a line. <laughs> Again, AJ edited really well. I've, <laughs> the, seen, the, I've, the I've seen all the takes, but when, when he was on, he's really on. Yeah. Non-actors in a film sometimes, they're the most interesting people because you do you generally like see into their soul as they're performing or not even they're not even performing they're just being and that's like what the craft of acting is is like how do you get to the point of just being in those given circumstances of the character i remember like in school i had a teacher matt bullock god rest his soul the class was just come in the door just come in the door to the room Everyone acted like they could walk into a room, but no one would just walk into a room. You don't realize, like, performers do it all the time. They show that they're pouring a drink. They show that they're doing something instead of just, like, doing the action. Okay, you, you've worked on the stage, you've worked in television, you've worked in film, you've worked in podcasts. Do you approach each project with that same foundation, or do you have a different sort of approach for different mediums? Like, I think as an artist anywhere, you have a toolbox, right? You have, like, your whole, like, here's your tricks and your, like, whatever. Each project calls for a different tool to, like, make. And, like, I'll always relate it to carpentry. If I'm building a table, I'm not going to be using wrenches and stuff like that, like I would use on, like, plumbing or something. You know, you have to bring the proper tools to the proper job. I think that relates with any medium you're working with. And, like, what do I need to bring to this this project compared to another like let's think of aladdin like when i was at prince anders how i approached that character compared to made for love two different people yes i want to get like the headspace of the character but like getting into who anders was in aladdin was like he's a rich squirrel person this the world is heightened there is magical elements into it so why can't i bring that magic into the character of what is that don't, don't tell me. <laughs> the cat was stripes. Hey, puss, puss. Hey, puss, puss. Hey, puss, puss, puss. And then when I think Made for Love, it is this like conservative, strict, by the book prototype. Like the guy only knows computers and everything's algorithm. Everything's coding. So everything has a structure. You know, in, in my early days of my career, I, I had to travel constantly for work and it was hugely inefficient. The hub it allows me to just stay in one place and virtually transport myself all around the world. Doesn't that sound fantastic? <laughs> you grew up in Queens and then you moved at like a pretty young age to the south, to Georgia. Yeah, um, my, the story I'm told by my parents is um, I grew up in Queens, New York till about 10. My brother was born. We had a, my third brother was on the way. Drive-by shootings started happening in Queens, New York a lot at that time. It was like 94, 93, 94. And my dad was like, I'm not raising kids here in this, this shit. Um, and so they actually looked all over the country, just visited some friends in Georgia. And my mom was like, I love it here. And my dad's like a carpenter. So he's like, yeah, I can find work here and I'll just start building. Do you consider yourself a New Yorker or a Southerner? Um... I think I have the very great 
privilege of being a, an American. <laughs> all, all of it. You've experienced it all, yeah. I, 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 I literally, I think I understand both, both sides, you know, and we're a, a lot more alike than we are different. That's, right. That's for sure. But I, I have pride in both, both aspects, and I have uh, disdain for both aspects. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So AJ went over your credits. Do you ever get freaked out? Because I feel like in the past few years, you've been in so many beloved major franchises. Major. You go in, you 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 act as a younger version of one of the most beloved Sopranos characters. You go into one of the, the biggest Bond films, you know, at the end of Daniel Craig's reign. And now you're a part of the DC Universe. Like. And I have to say, Into the Woods, yeah. the musical side too, Bubba. Hello. Agony. Uh, hey, hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Do you, I mean, do you ever get that call and you're like, oh, shit, you want me to be the Joker? I Yeah. Um, I remember getting that call. I, yeah, it was cool. I wish I got paid more. But uh... <laughs> Well, listen, I binged it. I binged it in the past few days. So there's, you know, hopefully some of those royalties or whatever kind of there's trickle no in. There's no royalties. Yeah. I wish. I wish. This industry, I think, sometimes mistakes popularity for quality mm. i'm not saying i'm fucking brilliant or anything like that but i'm just saying like i think i've showed that my product over and over again is of a certain quality mm -hmm. don't get me wrong there's times i'm shit but you would think it would equate in some way but this industry is weird it's all about hype yeah yep. and all about dollars and so yeah i've been part of those franchises and all that shit but Fuck, man, every time I still have to fight for inches. Mm -hmm. It doesn't stop. Doesn't well, you make stop. it look easy if that's any consolation there. I just, I watched uh, Game Night with my parents the other night. Game and they night. were good one. howling, like oh, howling. Awesome. They loved it so much. That's great. My mama, let me tell you, you did a great job. The mama. Oh, tell her I said thank you. <laughs> I, it's funny, like, I had been playing... Uh, a character similar, I think the character's name was Ryan. Ryan, who went to Harvard. I've been playing a, like a version of that guy for a little while in like other small, small projects that no one had seen or some shit like that. And it was like the first opportunity I got to, we always talked about it with my team, I had the opportunity to throw my fastball in a project. Like it's like call, being called up from the minor leagues to go into the major leagues. And yeah. I was like, just throw your fucking fastball. Just just throw it as hard as you can. It was a it was a grill lucky opportunity I got to be in that project. Again, John Daly and John Goldstein told me it was the audition I did and Bateman was like, you know, that's the guy you want to hire. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's really cool. And then, you know, John Goldstein and John Daly, they're amazing. They're great guys. And, and so is Bateman. Like everyone on that project was fantastic. I mean, it just looks like a super fun film to be a part of. It was. Like it looks like you guys were having so much fun on set. I mean, day. Sharon is one of my best friends. Oh, she's amazing. Every time I'm in the UK, I see her and her family. I she's she's awesome. You know what? It doesn't matter how slowly you slide it over. Okay, it's seventeen dollars. How much do you want? Uh, I don't know, probably a hundred. Give her a hundred. I have a hundred. Yeah. How much have you got? Seventeen dollars. Seventeen dollars. I've talked about Bad Sisters on here before. I want everyone to watch that show. Yeah. Oh, 
So good. Yeah, Sisters is great. I loved it. Game Night was such, like, again, what a wonderful ensemble piece. Great people to work with. It doesn't always happen like that, you know? Do you think that's why you have a production company now? Because you're trying to cultivate that for yourself? Well, yeah. I think the the two things Happy Bad Bungalow really strives for is, first of all, like, you want to dive into real characters and, like, we can create the character and find a journey and arc of these characters in a world that we love. Like that's number one priority with the relationships around them. Like we want to see characters go from point A to point B that touch something deep within the human soul. It doesn't matter where you're from, who you are, what religion, what you, who you sleep with, what's in your pants. I don't care as long as it's deep here in your heart, you know, we all know what that feeling is. Mm-hmm. And so we, we strive to look for that in it. And then the second quality Happy Bad Bungalow looks for is quality of person. Like, who do we want to work with? Again, hype does not translate to quality. And we're constantly looking for the quality of people we want to work with that have that same goal and that same creative drive that want to wake up every day and be excited to explore and dive into into things. You know, AJ, when I first met you, you were like, going to Italy to write and just like, yeah. like what a wonderful treat you gave yourself. That's the only way I know how to live. But like, I just, I go. Just living in Italy and writing. <laughs> no, I, I mean, just like, whenever I have an idea, I'm just like, I need to do this 100% and I need to like fully commit to this. I don't like to half-ass things. And I like to work with people who are fully committed to it as well. Don't half-ass things, full-ass it. <laughs> <laughs> Hey. Hey, guys. Hello. Hi. I have, a, I have a question for you. Oh, go ahead. Are you ready? Yeah, go ahead. Do you like merch? Uh, if you mean Haunted Basement merch, then yeah. Whoa! Do we have merch for you, baby? What do we got? We got shirts. We got hats. We got totes. We also have stickers. That's right, that's right. Listen, we've got the Haunted Basement ghosties on most of the merch. The Ghosties was a Bubba Serrato original design way back in, I don't know, 2018, when Honda Basement was the seed of an idea. And it's a cool little design that you can wear on your body. Put our logo on your body. So as a special thank you for being a Haunted Basement podcast listener, we are offering all of our listeners free shipping using the code... Boo. B-O-O. Boo. B-O-O, baby. Type in B-O-O and you get free shipping. Free shipping. Go to our website, hauntedbasement.video slash shop to check out the merch. Free shipping, baby. Boo. You know what I like to say? I like to say, pick it out and put it on. Pick it out, put it on. And represent. If you're enjoying this show, if you enjoy Haunted Basement, buy some merch, goddammit. And that's it. We love merch. We love you. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Ciao. Be well. Ciao. Ciao. Can we talk about Jeffrey Wright real quick? Yeah, so sure. I, I watched No Time to Die and uh, Game Night. I rewatched both films in the past few nights. 
And I can't help but notice that every time you start a film with Jeffrey Wright, he manages to get the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> is that just a, is that a coincidence or? He's great. Jeffrey is a like I've been a fan of his for so long, and then working with him gay night was fantastic. But then like really reconnecting with him again during um, No Time to Die was an absolute absolute treat. Like we were shooting in uh, Jamaica. And like, you know, when you're on a set sometimes, I was there like two months in Jamaica, but worked 10 days, maybe, <laughs> you know, two weeks. So the rest of the time, him and I are just like surfing and eating jerk chicken nonstop. He's an awesome, awesome guy. And what was it like working with Denzel on game night? <laughs> I know his brief, brief cameo. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I don't believe it. Well, I took a picture with him at the club. I put it in a hidden folder. Denzel and Michelle. Yeah, baby, that's not Denzel. Goddamn. Mm-hmm. Look, there is some good news. If you want to get with Denzel, eh, he's standing <laughs> right here. <laughs> Lamorne has become one of my best friends, hands down, one of my best friends. Like, great guy. Again, it's quality of character in a person. Have you experienced, um, maybe it was a director or a producer, or maybe it was just, you know, someone that was part of a crew that like set that foundation for production that that kind of welcomed everybody in and every day before shooting before the first take did something to make everyone feel comfortable like do you, have you seen that or is that still something that you're kind of looking out for you know when you have a tight cast and like uh tight you're tight and you're all on the same page with the project sometimes there's struggles and that's like art you know you're trying to get the best product out and like that's actually the exciting part is getting in the weeds with people and like really getting specific with stuff. But sometimes, yeah, you, you have casts and crews that just vibe and you love showing up and seeing everyone there. I did this thing on the film Coup, which we, we co-produced. It was at lunch every day. I started it where my first day, like it's just a stupid thing, but like I had chocolates and I was inspired. Someone was working really hard. And at lunch, I said, hey, I'm Billy. I'm playing blah, blah, blah in this film. Today, I just want everyone to know that I was inspired by Kim over here. And I'm just going to give her these chocolates and say thank you for inspiring me today. But guess what, Kim? Tomorrow, you got to tell, tell us who's inspiring you, Kim. And then slowly, every day at lunch, you know... Kim would stand up and be like, I was inspired by Jim. And then you slowly start learning everyone. And it's like you start being a part of something bigger than yourself. And by the end, when we were like the last day shooting, it was like a big celebration that moment. And there was like gifts and like it became its own thing. That's so nice because they know we're it's this is not a corporate America podcast, but like in the workplace, that's like the number one thing that everyone always complains about is like lack of recognition. Like everyone wants to be recognized for the work that they're doing, but you can't like necessarily go around and say like everything everyone's doing, but you can single someone out. Little small acts of something like it can cause a it huge builds. effect. Yeah. Which makes it more worth it. Like showing exactly. up for everything. Exactly. You have a community, which right. is like the worst and the best and worst part. You have a family that you like come together with and you like get really deep into the weeds with them really fast and then it's just fine. Yeah. That's crazy. crazy. 
is a really time. Oh my god! It's gosh. such a small thing, but the last production team that I was a part of, um, we did a lot of interview-based content, and typically, like on a low-budget thing, you show up and you meet the person that you're the interview. You meet your subject and you do the interview, and you're like, "See you, peace." It's really weird, and you don't have a rapport with them, and you don't, you kind of don't know how to speak with them. You don't know how to interact with them, and just like us in this interview, right? Just <laughs> like this, yes, just like this. But what we realized that we had to do is like, let's get to you know our location a day or a night before. Let's take them out to dinner. Let's get them like a little drunk, talk to them like humans. Don't even talk about the projects. Just talk to them and figure out how we actually communicate. So that the next day when they walk in, they're not just like staring at us like a deer in the headlights. Like, <laughs> who are you people? And like, what do you want from me? And that's why we took you out to dinner last night, Billy, remember? <laughs> yeah, Where was I? <laughs> <laughs> Billy, could we talk about first encounters with Hollywood? I went to college in, at USC and uh, Bubba went to, he went to film school at Harvard, but he would come out like every summer and we would do an internship at a production company in Hollywood. Bubba went to Harvard. Bubba went to Harvard. That is the name of a film right there. <laughs> <laughs> but we were just two two kids who grew up in a small town in Massachusetts who grew up watching movies in our basement, obsessing over Hollywood movies and then actually sitting in a Hollywood production company and interning and uh, reading, doing coverage and all that. We were both looking at each other like, this is not what we expected. And it was just splash of cold water on her face. I wonder what your sort of interaction with Hollywood was for the first time. You know, I, 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 again, I was a New York based guy for a long time. I did a lot of theater and I did like projects here and there, independent films around New York. It wasn't until I really got into the woods. I was, well, what was happening, I was doing the play, Vanya Sonia Masha Spike. Someone saw that play and uh, was like, talked to Rob Marshall about letting me audition for Into the Woods and kind of got me the job. Mm -hmm. And I went to London. Didn't really feel Hollywood there or anything. No. I think it's a bit of the agent world and the maybe the manager world. You get this hint of Hollywood and they like, it's promises, 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 empty, <laughs> empty promises, promises, promises. Yeah. And value and acknowledgement. And like, the acknowledgement for the work you've consistently done, it doesn't exist. You know, it's a fickle business. It's a money-making business. Um, I think there is magic with it inside of it. And I love acting. I really do. And I, I feel like bad saying this stuff. Like, I think it is an art form and it is something sacred. And it's somehow moved away from that so drastically. It's just, I don't know, hype, hype, hype. You were in like so many different kinds of things like you're in HBO, Netflix, like movies. And I'm just wondering, where do you think the future of all this is going? I just want to clarify, like at those kind of projects like Bond and all that, I'm just a hired gun. I have no say in any of that shit. It's crazy. The only reason I got Bond was because of my relationship with Carrie Fukunaga right. from... Maniac, the TV show we did. Um, it was like a, right. a relationship we built, yeah. you know, yeah. as collaborators and stuff like that. It was cool. It was like trust. And it's like, it's cool to see like relationships come back around. I used to think it was like a family, 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 disappeared, never see someone again. But then the industry's small and you, you bump into the same people over and over again. And there's ones that, you know, you, you try to keep relationships with in a sense. 
The question you had, though, was about where is it all going? Yeah. Tell us the future. Tell us the future. Tell us the future. <laughs> I, again, like, you have this thing in your hand, the phone, and you have access to um, any popular, quote-unquote, artist, um, very hard, quote-unquote, artist out there. And I think there are some talented people on the social medias and stuff like that. But why would I pay for a subscription to something? Why would I pay for a ticket to something if I have access right here? So I don't know, man. I, I think it's going to get, they want to be cheaper, faster. I think it's all going to, the quality is going to really dip personally. I think there's diamonds in the rough and stuff like that. But like Spielberg, the age of pop culture is done. 90s, when, once the yeah. advent of uh social media and the internet happened. I think pop culture is done. It just moves too fast. I don't know where it's headed. I think it's, it's, let's just know business is hard to make right now. And especially with an economy that's like still fucking over the people. Yeah. You know? Not great. God, I sound like a doom and gloom guy. I'm sorry. No, no, but, but you're also saying with your production company, you're trying to find stories that like hit people in the heart. And I feel like when people are emotionally connected to any material, whether it be music or film or a show, they will pay for something if they feel emotionally connected to it. I disagree. Ooh, wow. Oh, okay, here we go. go. Fight to disagree. Go. Let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> I mean, I disagree. Uh, do you think cinephilia is ever going to go away? Because, like, I still pay money to go to AJ, the movie theater. AJ, you are theater. a small, small, small minority of people who do, though. I love the movies, and the last movie I saw in theater was Top Gun. Talco Maverick, good movie. We need to reference it every single episode. <laughs> it was a great movie. Spielberg said Tom Cruise saved the film industry. Tom Cruise said he saved the film industry. He said it before the film. <laughs> We're so happy you're here in this theater and seeing it on the big screen. So please enjoy as we all made it for you. But no, but that's my point. There's not a movie star like Tom Cruise. I know. There hasn't been. I know. That's AJ's main point every episode. There's heartthrobs out there. There's people that the people that are lusting after actresses or actors. But I don't know if there's like movie stars anymore or pop culture. I mean, I don't know. But then you have like things like Squid Game come out where it transcended culture and stuff like that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, it, it's you can't there's no algorithm for it. It's either people want to take a risk or a gamble or they don't. And I still think the most powerful marketing tool is word of mouth. Hands down. There tend to be splashes of being like a flare, but it has it has to be a spark. But word of mouth is the strongest marketing tool and quality. I mean, there was a movie made that was called Human Centipede. How the <laughs> yeah, fuck did they get money? <laughs> they, they made three of them. They made three of those movies. <laughs> and guess what? It sold and made money. And I'm not against it. I'm not dogging the people that invented it or whatever. I, so Happy Bad Bugalo is not making Human Centipede 4, I guess. I, no, we're not. And not no, power, more power to the people that do it. And that's their art form and like respect. But also like art is a subjective thing. Uh, thing and you, we all get a lot are allowed to critique it. Yeah, I think that's an issue that is not allowed anymore, which I don't appreciate. I understand constructive criticism and stuff like that, and I think it's important as a culture. Like, 
to have the debate, but you can't, you're not allowed to criticize anything anymore. What I am missing most in my adult life, even though I don't feel like an adult, is... You are. Man up. Thank you. Thank you. What I am missing from my adult life in terms of like relating to just media in general is the 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 thing that we used to have where you go to Blockbuster, right? And you're looking at all the VHSs for rent and you can only pick just one, you know? Before streaming and before there was like endless content, you had to just make that one choice and that meant that whoever was making the movies, like that's when you still had the Tom Cruises and the movie stars because those were what was going to sell, right? Mm-hmm. When we got a DVD player, we had like three DVDs to start. So that meant we watched X-Men over and over again for like one year straight. Yeah. <laughs> Good movie. My point here is that like, I don't have that relationship with movies or music anymore um, where I'm listening to the same album or watching the same film on repeat and like getting to know it and developing this really deep relationship because I'm on to the next thing. And I... Wow. I it's a double edged sword because I love that I can go from a Squid Game to uh Ozark to whatever else. Yeah, you're right. That's so funny. It was the accessibility of choice, but also I could dispose of anything at any point. There's no there's no like actual like even if a movie wins right now, like we everything everywhere all at once just won. Will mm-hmm. people actually be like, that was something special? What do you think? It is to me. Yeah. I have an opinion about that, but let's hear yours. About the movie or the comment of... It's longevity. The, I don't think it will have legs. I don't think so either. Just like, what was last year's winner? Oh, where the edit oh. this one out? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's Cinephiles, we can't yeah. remember. No. Oh my God, I'm trying to think. It was... I don't know. Someone could Google it. Yeah, yeah. Last year was Coda. I never oh, saw Coda. Coda was fantastic. I love Coda. That was Coda. Best Picture? Coda won Best Picture. I'm going to say this like every single time on this podcast, but I think Tar and Top Gun Maverick are going to be something that people watch 20 years from now because um, Top Gun saved Hollywood. Tar, I mean, like, like, again, amazing performance, amazing cinematography. It's fantastic. It was two and a half, two hours and 40 minutes. It's long. It's long. But it, 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 again, like, I don't know. I don't think it has longevity either. I, I'm trying to think, what was the last real movie that had longevity? For me, Forrest Gump has longevity. Um, but, like, it's not like a Shawshank. Shawshank will always be a cinema classic. But it was mm-hmm. it, it's not even, like, cinematically amazing. It's more the story. Something that gets into the zeitgeist where, like, you can reference a line from Shawshank and everyone's like, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Oh, you just say you just spread your arms out in, like, the pouring rain. People know exactly what you're doing. It's a Dufresne! Yeah. Or if you're in the Serrano family, we just reference uh, the Grinch lines all the time. Like Jim Carrey oh. as the Grinch. That's it. I'm not going out. Oh, my God. <laughs> we need to do a whole episode about the Grinch. If you want to come back for I that. I would love that. I would love that. Bubba, have you been working on that theory or did you just think Oh, I think it? about it like. it's a good one. At least weekly, if not daily. I know. I'm trying to think of like the last movie I saw that I was like, Jesus, that impacted me. Well. Can I can I ask like a little bit broader? What's the last thing that you consumed? You know, piece of art, music, a book. What was the last thing that you consumed where you like it, it hit me in the heart and you thought about it for more than twenty four hours? Um, you know, I, again, I'm personally in a different place in my life, and we're all on our own personal journeys and stuff like that. And like instantly, my answer is the sunset. 
Watching a sunset is the most beautiful piece of art, and there's never going to be, like tonight, there's only one of those ever. You're never going to see it again. That is so nice. My mom's going to love that answer when she listens to this episode. She's going to be like, that Billy with his sunset. <laughs> it's just very beautiful. That Billy. <laughs> that Billy. A piece of art that has just impacted me that I couldn't stop thinking about. Man, it's like a huge question, and the truth is I don't have an answer. But what about from childhood? Is there like a, a movie or a performance or something that like made you be like, this is what I want to do. Like for me, when I saw Jurassic Park when I was eight years old, it scared the shit out of me. And I was like, whoever's responsible for doing this to me, which I found out was Steven Spielberg, I was like, I want to be able to do that to someone else. You know, I, mine was always Robin Williams. Like I can never do what he does and I, I don't want to, and I don't, I don't choose to. What he did was just bring joy to so many people around the world, even though like he might've been troubled or whatever, personally going through stuff there, there was just magic around him. And I don't know what it was. It was just, that's what inspired me. Like that someone with their own imagination, their own sense of play, that there's just joy and light in this world, that there's beauty in it, that there is fun constantly that he was able to share that with so many people it, I, I was always inspired by that a mistake i made in my career is realizing like i was doing projects and i'm now 27 28 years old and i kept going like when my career starts when my career starts and i had like maybe like 15 to 20 projects under my belt now and i didn't realize that like a career was all that already. And I kept like striving outside of it and like comparing it or like once it starts and realizing like, this is what I'm doing now. It doesn't matter the size, place, location, reach or whatever. My career is my career that I'm doing now. And like having pride in that. So not like taking a job or working a job because this is your career. And I just remember like, I don't know. I was like so distant. Like I was doing a soap opera. I was like, once my career starts, no, now I look back and I was like, God damn it. I'm so grateful for three years on that fucking soap opera. I loved it. And realizing that was, that's my career and no one else gets to have that and owning it. And, um, and I think like kids getting out of school or whatever, or what at any age, like even those high school productions, that's your career. That is who you are as an artist. And you have to take all those tools and all those stories and all those journeys and treasure treasure them more than um, push them away. I don't know. I, I made that mistake. Oh, no. You're, I love that. You're, yeah. you're definitely preaching to the choir because my mom still thinks that something I made senior of high school is the best thing <laughs> that I've ever made. In my life. It could be. It could be. <laughs> but that's, a, that's an important point. Problem with the industry as well is like you always are comparing, and like that again. And I'm just trying to get back to this career idea that like people ask you that whose career do you want? And I my answer has become mine. I want mine. Mm -hmm. It's no one else's. It's no one else's thing, you know. And like, look, I wish that I was getting offered ten million dollars on a film or some crazy shit. Like, 
a Pratt or, or any of the Chris's, you know? But that's just not my career. Hey, we'll hire you. Yeah. Once we get a few, you know, a few bucks here or there, we'll, we'll put you in something. Bada boom, sure. bada bang. <laughs> I just want to know if my name's brought up somewhere, like it's done with a smile on someone's face. I'm like, oh, fuck, that guy, he's weird or some, you know, whatever. Like, they, it just, like, brings some sort of joy into this, you know, beautiful strange world we live in you know what about uh, so the transition now as you're starting your production company how do you feel about the transition from acting to directing do you feel like it's a pretty natural shift yeah i would i would say so like it, it's let's be honest like most film directors like i've been on more sets than film directors uh-huh. i've seen every aspect i've laid next to cinematographers and grips while we're doing something we're trying to shoot something or the way to the editing room to producing, selling, or like trying to pitch auditioning in a film, in a room for a job. Every aspect of it, I've kind of seen every aspect. And I think I've acquired enough skills from the many talented and untalented people I've worked with, like to go, I think it's time to, you know, be that kind of artist. Yeah, put faith in your own vision. Because as an actor, I've said this so many times, like, you're only a color in someone else's palette. You're just blue in someone else's palette that they're painting. No time to die. I'm just like blue in that palette. And that was my job. But I want to be the guy holding the palette. I want to be the guy now creating the colors and building the world and the playground that people really get to show up every day to. The, The hunger is there for it. Hell yeah. All right. Well, there's a few minutes left. Let's do a couple quick hits, and then and then we'll get out of here. Let's do it. Quick hits. Let's do quick hits. I'm gonna start off. You were in Bridge of Spies. You were directed by Steven Spielberg. Give me one quick Steven Spielberg little tidbit on set story. Oh my God, he is a child. Like when I was working with Spielberg, he was 65 maybe, and he's crawling on the ground and being like, "Ooh," <laughs> he's holding his hand up like he's the camera lens be like oh how about this shot whatever he was playing he was just playing at that age and he was just open to create the best idea would win and it's fun for him i love it he's got his passion he's got a passion and it's just playing again you know it was a kid he was still a kid just playing with the camera. What is your favorite tv show right now not gonna lie i watched wednesday i loved it i loved Mm. it it was just candy. I was loving Full Swing. I'm a big golfer. The Last of Us was good for the beginning, and then the, the latter end, it was just like, fell off a little bit for me. I'm a big gamer. I, I love that Hogwarts game. My God. I'm out of Kadabra! <laughs> <laughs> Bubs, you got a quick hit? Yeah, I got a quick hit, because inevitably our dad is going to listen to this, and he knows that you directed your dad, and I feel like he's going to be like, you know... What are you guys doing? Any advice for directing your family members, especially your father? I've, I've, I've had... Well, directed my father, and I've gotten both my brothers into movies with me. Or projects. My brother Dane was in Game Night with me. He was in like the big fight scene, the the the, the fight. Uh, oh, that's funny. Where you're stealing the egg at the end, yeah. And then uh, my other brother played one of my brothers in Maniac. Oh, that's awesome. Um, advice? I don't know. Love them how they love you. I, don't know, I just, just proceed with love. 
<laughs> Amen. Billy, thank you so much for joining us in the basement. This is a very fun episode. Oh, can you, do you have the keys to unlock these? these chains? Yeah, here they are. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a pleasure, guys, and I wish you guys also the best of luck with it all. Oh, thank you. I hope to continue our work, AJ, together. Likewise. All right, we'll talk to you soon, yeah, Billy. Thank, thank you for your you time. Nice meeting you guys. Thank you, Billy. Bye. That's the fastest I've ever seen anyone leave. Oh. Must have really wanted to get out of those chains. Yeah.